we should have to pay for that. <laughs> I mean, think about how much you just spent on your Hamilton tickets. <laughs> you can get stuff like this for free. Thank you, Larry and Chris. By the way, I've been thinking about something. Some of us, I think, when the sermon is over, or in this case today, a homily, uh, when it ends, we rush out of here and we don't hear the beautiful postlude that Chris plays. That's part of the service. Stick around. Don't leave too fast, okay? I know that the cynics amongst us are thinking, so we're having two services in a row with lay leaders, lay preachers, amateurs doing the preacherizing just to save us a little money. <clears throat> well, duh, of course that's what we're doing. But, <laughs> but Rick Eagleton and I, we both felt like we had important messages for you. I also want to, I want to mention something about Rick. Rick and I, we deal with things a little bit differently. He's a worrier. Right, Rick? Yeah, he's a worrier. He, he, you know, stews over stuff. And I just think, oh, it's going to be okay. I don't need to prepare. Uh, I just want you to know this ahead of time that this may not... <laughs> Yeah, the projector is working for me, so I got that on my side. By the way, what do we see up here? Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> that is just perfect. Uh, last week after Rick's fantastic sermon, I thought of my favorite Greek, my favorite ancient Greek philosopher and poet, you ain't fooling us. That's his name. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. You ain't fooling us. Who once said, you have a very tough act to follow is not the most encouraging thing to say to an insecure amateur public speaker. So when, you know, the 13th or 14th of you said, you have a tough act to follow, I thought of that. Okay, I made that up. Last week, Rick quoted some guy, Hercules, or somebody, or maybe some guy whose name I can't really pronounce, and I panicked, and I thought, I am way over my head. I don't know any ancient Greeks with unpronounceable names. And then it occurred to me also that maybe Rick just made all that up. <laughs> so I just created, you ain't fooling us. This past June... in Spokane, Washington, during the Unitarian Universalist Association's General Assembly, there was a lady who would do her Tai Chi right in the middle of everything and everyone. Like, you know, you know how it goes. You know how it goes. Maybe Anita could demonstrate for us at some point. She didn't do it in a remote area. She didn't do it in a private room. She didn't do it at the side of the hallway or in a nearby park. She did it smack dab in the middle of everything as hundreds of people walked from one workshop room to another. 
We had to walk around her and try to avoid being hit in the heads or kicked in our shins as we simultaneously tried to walk and understand our convention center maps. This lady was literally doing her spiritual practice right in our faces. <laughs> Initially, I thought it was extremely obnoxious. What a show off! Get a lot of that at the General Assembly. <laughs> she thinks she's so dang cool showing all of us that she can move different parts of her body in different directions at the same time. What a rude woman. She was, in my opinion, what a friend of mine would call moblivious, unaware and uncaring of how her movements affected those around her. Later, however, I started to think about how difficult Tai Chi is. I've tried it, but I could never master it. It requires levels of concentration and coordination and discipline that I just do not and will never have. If I could break it down into several different parts, it would be so much easier. If I could do, for instance, the breathing and staring straight ahead part, I could do that. While someone else could move to the left, while someone else move their hands, and yet another person could do some or all of the movements that go below the waist, and we would all become one Tai Chi master together. A Tai Chi team. Of course, if no one steps up to do this part, or whatever it is, like I said, I, I never mastered it, if no one steps up to do this part, the entire thing falls apart. We fail. If the rest of us spend all of our time trying to get someone to do this part, we don't have enough time to do our parts, and we fail. If we have the wrong people doing the wrong parts, we fail. If someone who can do this part just sits and watches the rest of us try to do our parts without her or him, we fail. If a person who can do this part knows she can do this part, but isn't going to do it unless someone asked her to do this part, we fail. If we know someone can do this part, but we don't encourage him or her to do it, we fail. If someone can do this part, but doesn't know that it needs to be done, we fail. If someone who can do this part hasn't attended the church since 1988 because someone insulted their necktie in 1979, we fail. Sounds like how a church works, right? For the purposes of this talk, I want to define a lay leader as someone other than a paid staff person, including a minister, of a congregation who serves the church in any way. 
Reverend Greg over here, he's not a lay leader. We, we're going to pay him. Chris, you're a professional piano player. Larry, <laughs> you're a professional singer and actor, but you do other things at the church. So you're a lay leader also. And there are a few others of you like that. We do pay you to do some things. Now, a lay, person could, a lay leader could be a person who serves on the board of trustees or as an usher or as a gardener or as a dishwasher. You may have noticed that I had some of our top dishwashers here at the church read that thing about washing dishes. Yes, LK and Lynn and Co and Eddie, you are leaders of this church, and without you washing all those dishes you've washed, we fail. The much more difficult task is defining spiritual practice. In his classic book, Everyday Spiritual Practice, Scott Alexander says that the purpose of spiritual practice is to examine, shape, and care for your life and the life around you to achieve more wholeness, satisfaction, depth, and meaning. What we're doing this morning, all of this, all the elements of this service, individually and together, are one big spiritual practice. I like, you know, the team Tai Chi. You may practice yoga, or you may hike in the woods, or you, I know there are some of you, some of, the, of us aren't here today because they're hiking in the woods. Um, or you may run and you may consider something like that your spiritual practice. Writing in a journal or diary, prayer, meditation are sometimes considered spiritual practices. At this point in my life, serving this church is my primary spiritual practice. There are personal spiritual practices that help a person focus internally, inward. Those are usually done alone, like solo Tai Chi, you know, with the exception of that lady doing it all in our face. Then there are those group spiritual practices, like this church service, that help us build community and feel like we're part of something more important than ourselves, something bigger than ourselves. Think about all the different elements of this group spiritual practice in which we are engaging right now. One person cannot possibly sing, usher, preach, count money, greet, wash the dishes, teach our children, unlock and lock the building, raise the money to pay the staff, and on and on and on. We got to have Larry back there working this new projector. We got to have Joanne working as an usher. We need individuals to lead different parts of this big group spiritual practice. If you don't lead, you're not really a participant, you're just a voyeur. <laughs> Trying to make you feel guilty and dirty at the same time. <clears throat> In his book, Serving with Grace, Leadership as a Spiritual Practice, 
By the way, uh, we're the Board of Trustees here at the church. We're going on a little retreat this weekend, and we're going to talk about this book a little bit. So in his, in his book, Serving with Grace, Leadership as a Spiritual Practice, Reverend Eric Walker Wickstrom helps the reader understand that lay leadership is its own spiritual practice, which can stretch us in new directions. Walker Wickstrom writes that, this practice calls you to live your principles in a community that shares them. It calls you to develop and strengthen spiritual virtues that will carry you forward into the rest of your life. Learning to see the holy in the troublesome committee member who objects to everything may lead you to regard your neighbor, your coworker, or your children in a new light. Learning enough about yourself to decide which church tasks take, to take on and which to decline may mean truly appreciating all your strengths and weaknesses for the first time. I, w- I want to insert something here that, that Reverend Greg just said at our adult forum. He says, be sure to choose activities that don't drain your life. Choose ones that give you life. I hope I got that right. If you're not good with money, you may not want to be the church treasurer. (laughs) But you must have something else to offer. If you love to fix things, we have work for you. If you love to garden, we need you. Regardless of what you have to offer, we need you, we want you, and we appreciate you. We need you, we want you, and we will appreciate you even if this is your first time at Hope. You don't have to sign the member role. We still need you, we still want you, and we'll still appreciate you. For many years, I belonged to a much larger UU church. Think about what the, where that might be. At some point, I realized that they didn't really need me. They had paid staff to do much of the stuff that I wanted to do or the things that I felt I could do. Here at Hope, a modest-sized church, no matter who you are, no matter what you have to offer, no matter what amount of money you are able to pledge, we need you. We want you. Without you stepping up and doing what you do well and what you enjoy, we will fail. Once you get involved, you will feel much more connected to this beautiful community. Am I right? Can I get an amen? Amen. You will have a better understanding of how things work. You will get to know other members of the community. For the past few months, I've been having one-on-one conversations with many of you. I'll take a moment to explain what I'm doing. Some of you have signed up and done it. Some of many of you in the room. Many of you have not. And I wonder if some of you are thinking, I don't need to sit and talk to this guy for 20 minutes because I talk to him all the time. That's not what this is all about. What I do is I follow an outline. I find out what you feel passionate about, what you like to do, what you think works well at the church, what doesn't work well at the church. And at some point, we're going to put this to use. So, you know... Like I say, this Tai Chi and this Team Tai Chi, is it a metaphor or an analogy? I don't know, maybe both. Um, You know, unless this, we know that this person does this one move well, you know, it doesn't happen and we fail. 
So um, for the past few months, I've been having one-on-one -on -one conversations with many of you, and I've learned that you lo what you love about hope and what you think needs a little work. I've learned about your talents, and I've learned your passions. Now it's time to use those talents and passions here at Hope, if you're not already. By the way, a study published in the journal Mindfulness found that washing dishes mindfully, focusing on the smell of the soap and the shape and feel of the dishes, for example, significantly reduced nervous, nervousness and increased mental stimulation in human dishwashers compared with a control group. Mindfulness refers to both a peaceful cognitive state and a popular form of therapeutic meditation that calms the mind and body by focusing on an object or activity. Daily routine activities may provide opportunities for informal mindfulness practice, the study suggests. Of course, washing dishes is normally a private, personal practice, but here it's part of our big group practice. Washing dishes, walking, writing in a journal, doing Tai Chi, serving your religious community mindfully, Serving your religious community mindfully can make you a happier, healthier person. Mindfully serving a loving community like Hope will make you happier and healthier, especially if you are offering what you do best and what you like to do and you're not overdoing it. We all need balance in our lives. In addition to dishwashers, we need order of service stuffers. This thing does not insert itself into this thing. Can I get an amen? Co, give me an amen. We need dishwashers, we need order of service stuffers, breakfast cookers, child teachers, money counters, door fixers. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Tree sars. I mean, you know, I was so happy when I discovered that Anita and Jim Wood have a chainsaw. <laughs> I should have known with that last name. So the list is very long. Let me know what you do well, or just start doing it. Now, everybody, start practicing this. We need you on the new Hope Tai Chi team. May it be so.